Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen. Do you know a man who is lost? Do you know a man who is lost? Now, when I say that, when I ask that in the context of a Christian conversation, the word lost has a meaning that might be, in fact, I'm sure is different than the meaning attached to the term when you read it in a headline in the Washington Post. So uh, last week, the end of last week, there was an opinion piece in the Washington Post that has now received more, well, they had to close down the comment section um, after just 24 hours. Normally they leave their comment section on articles open for like 72 hours, but they, they had more than 10,000 comments in just the, uh, in, in less than 24 hours after, the, um, after this particular uh, essay was posted. And so they shut it down because, it, you know, 10,000 comments is more than anybody can read. So um, overwhelming response to this piece. Now, it's interesting to me, Christine Emba is the columnist, the article of this opinion essay in the Washington Post. The title is, Men Are Lost. Here's a map out of the wilderness. Now, from a Christian worldview, I'm thinking to myself, if Carmen LeBurge had written an opinion piece entitled Men Are Lost, here's a map out of the wilderness. Um, you and I would know uh, know the person who we offered as a guide. You'd know the person I was going to offer as a savior. Um, that, you know, if you are lost and you allow yourself to be found by the one who came to seek and to save the lost, if you allow yourself to be found by Jesus, then he's going to walk with you like a good shepherd, out of the valley of the shadow of death and into a life that's worthy of the gift of the life God has given you. So the men are lost conversation. Here's a map out of the wilderness. Depending on who writes such an essay, the content is going to be really dramatically different. So Chris, uh, Christine Emba, by the way, is an African-American woman. And this is a an article based on data and conversations. So this is uh, this is not written from a faith perspective, but here's what I want to tell you: because you're you know you are out there, you're a culture gardener, you're out there tilling the soil of the cultural conversations of the day. This is conversation fodder, people. This, this the the culture has given us an article that people are talking about across virtually every discipline now, and the title of the article is "Men Are Lost." Like. I don't, I, I don't know that God couldn't give us a better opportunity to enter into a contemporary conversation um, where the world is absolutely noting that we have a very real problem. And um, now, here's the lead. 
Christine Emba, in her piece, leads with this. I started noticing it a few years ago. Men, especially young men, were getting weird. Now, uh, she then goes into sort of all of the ways that men, particularly white men, and then particularly young white men, um, have lost their footing in the culture and how confused they are um, after, you know, Me Too. They're, they don't even know whether or not they're supposed to ask a woman out. And if they did, they wouldn't know how. And men who do not have the opportunity to form healthy relationships will form unhealthy relationships. Like, that is what is going to happen. And so they describe themselves as afraid. They describe themselves as in hiding. They describe themselves as unwanted. Um, and, and this is not just one category of men. Now, in her piece, she does note that some people have offered answers to the question. One of the people she highlights is Senator Josh Hawley, who has a new book on this topic. But then right along with that, she offers, I mean, their pictures are side by side in this piece. Josh Hawley, pictured next to Andrew Tate. If you don't, if not familiar with him, he's currently facing charges in Romania for um, holding women hostage and doing awful things to them alongside his brother. So um, that's a false equivalency. What Josh Hawley says in his book about real manhood uh, is not the same thing at all uh, to what Andrew Tate is saying. So not only do we have to be discerning about what the culture is saying, we have to be discerning about what the culture is saying in relationship to how the church is actually has the answer to this question. We, we have the answer to this question. His name is Jesus. God did create us male and female. It does mean something to be a man. And it does mean something to be um, a, a male human being made in the likeness and the image of God. And the Bible is full of instructions related to this. Now, I'm not talking about biblical manhood. That's, that's the wrong language in the same way that you never hear me talk about biblical womanhood. I'm a gospel person. I'm talking about what it looks like in the kingdom of God for men and women to walk together as brothers and sisters in Christ, all members of the same body with different functions for sure but all members of the same body and all members of that which is the bride of Christ. So um, check it out. See what people are saying about it. Men are lost. Do you know the way out of the wilderness? I do. His name is Jesus. All right, now, how'd you sleep last night? We're going to talk about how we're sleeping, where we're sleeping, who we're sleeping with. Mm -hmm. That's up next with Dr. Linda Mental. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Linda Mental is with us. Linda, welcome back. It's great to be back. Good to hear your voice again. Thank you so much. For those of you who might be just joining us because you've just tuned in the state of Missouri, welcome, welcome, welcome. Dr. Linda Mental is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's a licensed clinical social worker, a national expert on relationships, uh, and one of the people who broadcasts here on Faith Radio. So you should check out the Dr. Linda Mental show. You can do that at myfaithradio.com. Dot com. Um, Linda, we have we have a whole network of new listeners in the state of Missouri. So, you know, say good morning I'm to Missouri. I'm excited. 
I'm excited. I went to a small private Christian liberal arts college in Missouri. So I have lived in Missouri and know that area pretty well. So it's a beautiful state with the Ozarks and all that's there. We also have a handful of new listeners in Marshall, Minnesota, because I met them this last week and I know they're all tuned in this morning. So good morning to that crew as well. So uh, Linda, apparently there are a lot of Americans married couples in America who don't actually sleep in the same room, let alone the same bed. Can you talk with us about sleep, who we're sleeping with, how sleep habits affect our relationships? Well, it's a it's a great topic. And actually, we've done a show on this uh, topic many, many years ago. So I was thinking, Carmen, as, as I was preparing for this, that maybe we ought to redo that show and bring that up again, because it affects so many people. And sleep is absolutely essential in your life. And when you start thinking about it from the perspective that I do, which is how does it affect relationships? How does it affect our mental health? And and I teach in a medical school, so I actually have to teach a bit on this in terms of how it impacts our health as well. So when you don't get a good sleep, uh, it can be a problem for how you cope with stress, how irritable you become. You can have a bunch of health problems and chronic health problems are often related to uh, poor sleep and a lack of sleep in your life. And big time, it affects memory. So when I have a new group of medical students come in, which I'll have in a few weeks again, another class that will enter, first thing I tell them when they come in for orientation is, if you don't get good sleep, you're not going to remember what you're studying. So that is my first prescription to everybody is you have to figure out a way to get seven and eight hours of sleep in order for your memory to function And one that I think is real important to a lot of us who are listening is that if you don't get good sleep, it can also affect your weight. And so there are a a number of studies that tie obesity to the lack of good sleep. So there's lots of reasons why you want to pay attention to this and you want to look at um, how you sleep at night, how many hours are you getting. You know, children need more. They need about nine to 10 hours. Most adults need about seven to eight. And so the really just think about it like this. Think about your body as a big computer. And when you go to sleep at night, it's rebooting and it's fixing all the issues. And so that when you wake up, you're refreshed and you can think better and you can remember things better. Your mood is improved and it's not creating a lot of conflict between you and your your spouse. And that's really where I think we want to talk a little bit about what happens then when people don't get good sleep and how does it impact their relationships. It's not good. Yeah, I mean, if you if you were just to tell me that, you know, sleep affects my mood, sleep affects my health, sleep, sleep affects my memory, sleep affects my weight, then it's not going to be a big mystery that all of that affects my relationships, particularly, you know, my primary relationship with my husband, right? All of those right. things are connected. Yeah, that's so good. All right, we're going to um, return to our conversation here with Dr. Linda Mental in just a moment. We will continue our conversation about sleep, but we're also going to talk about what's going on in your gut. Have you ever had a gut-wrenching experience? Have you ever had an experience that you described that way? Do certain situations make you feel nauseous? Have you ever gotten what you've described as butterflies? We use those expressions for a reason. There's something going on in our gut that actually does affect our emotions, and we're going to talk about that connection with Dr. Linda Mental as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, 
all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Dr. Linda Mental. You can find her at the Dr. Linda Mental Show here at Faith Radio. You check that out at MyFaithRadio.com. You can also see what Linda is working on, what she's writing about uh, at DrLindaMental.com. That's a great place to access all of her books as well. And a current article on what does your gut have to do with depression. So this is a... um, you know, we're, we're ranging around here, Linda. All of these are conversations about health and maybe holistic health. So sleep, gut, where do you want to go next? Well, you know, what we're doing is we're talking about lifestyle changes. And so mm. many people are frustrated, I guess, with, you know, they, they're not sure they want to take an antidepressant when they're depressed and they have mood issues. You know, they're not sure how they can actually treat it. There have been so many things that have been uh, talked about in terms of what helps and how do I get help. One of the ways you can really help yourself is just look at some basic lifestyle changes that you can make. And one of them is getting sleep. And if you're really struggling, I want to say something a little bit about that, then go ahead and get a sleep study. If you're really worried about someone snoring, having difficulty sleeping at night, you hear them sort of, you know, breathing in the, as they, as they're trying to take a breath. That's a very, could be, could be a very serious indication and they might need a CPAP machine. And if you're really struggling with what to do to get better sleep with someone who's more difficult to sleep with, just search on the internet or your phone, sleep hygiene, and you will find a ton of things that really make a difference in getting your sleep. And there are things that people don't think about, like limiting your napping in the daytime to 20 minutes or, um, you know, getting a better mattress because mattresses make a difference. And I love one of the studies we looked at for one of our shows on on sleep. It was about cuddling um, and the mm. importance of cuddling with somebody. Now, I know it's harder if they're snoring or if they're like me and they get hot within five minutes of being next to another body. <laughs> but but it's still so important. And they even looked at it, which is kind of fun. And they said, oh, 12 inches closer to a person is better than 30. And mm. what they found in this study was that the more you cuddle, the more secure your relationship feels, the less anxious you are the next day the less um, hostile or irritable you are. So all of this impacts your relationships. And the same is true with what you eat. And so as we're talking about the gut, this has like been the big frontier in medicine for the last few years, where they're looking at molecular, bio, you know, these biological mechanisms that happen in the gut. What they have found is that there is really a pretty strong association between what you eat and your mood. And we know in today's society where we have a lot of processed foods and junk food and sugars and things that are not good for our health that do affect our mood and then our relationships, that we can do some things to control our mood naturally. And I know when I talk to patients, a lot of them say, yeah, I want to do that. I want to try some natural attempts to make my mood better. So one of the best ways you can do that is to look at what you're eating because they have identified a lot of gut bacteria that is associated with things like depression and other types of um, mental health, you know, sort of conditions that impact how we feel from day to day. And so if you don't eat well, 
you're going to also increase inflammation. And inflammation is one of those factors that we're finding is important in almost all chronic diseases, that if you can get your inflammation down, a whole lot of things get better, including your heart and your respiratory system and a lot of other things. So what you eat really does affect your mood. We're not just talking about nutrition. We're talking about like micronutrients. And we're also talking about um, the the reality of what's in there over time. Can you mm-hmm. can you help us understand that? For folks, there's probably people listening, Linda, right now for whom this is a completely new conversation. They've seen in the grocery store this growing section of like kombucha, but they haven't, mm-hmm. they don't know why. They've seen, you know, this growing section of like fermented vegetables or they hear people talking about that, but they don't know why. They don't know why people are changing um, their, you know, what they're eating and in, and in particular adding particular things to their diet. Can you talk a little bit with us about that? Yeah, that's, that's great because I've seen those products too. And I've wondered like, what is that? And how does that relate to uh, my own eating? And I, sometimes I'm a little, little afraid to even try those and, things. I'm and not why a, is it with the vegetables? Like why yeah, is this well, green? That's, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's where the plant, you know, pro, those are the probiotics and the, the microbiotics are. So that's the stuff that your gut really needs. And it's all those plant-based foods and even, but a lot of fruit like blueberries are really high in probiotics and pears and Greek yogurt and lentils, walnuts. If you're going to choose a nut, choose the walnut because that has better um, probiotics in it and prebiotics in a lot of these foods. Sauerkraut, all the things you mentioned. Now, I'm German. A lot of our listeners are probably German as well. And I grew up with sauerkraut and some fermented foods. And my dad lived to be 98, and he loved all of that type (sighs) of fermented food. And they would do a lot of that in German cooking. And um, I'm not a fan, but I try to make myself eat it when when I can because I know the health benefit in that. So a lot of those foods that you'll see in these more organic um, sections and whole food places that, you know, really carry this, this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to give you options with good probiotics and prebiotics and you know, there's a whole field of this. We, I think we covered this in one of my books, Lose It for Life. I think we talked a little bit about this, where that those type of um, bacteria that are in those foods are the bacteria that are in then your gut and really help your gut work in a very healthy way. So it is very true what you put in your mouth really makes a difference. So if you're trying to improve your mood, Try to go into more plant-based type of foods and some of those those fruits that we're talking about. Look for things that are high in probiotics or even prebiotics and even consider maybe finding um, some type of supplement that helps with that too. Now, I know that's kind of controversy, which ones work. There's a whole lot about probiotics. If you, you know, you mail them in, then they get in the heat and then it destroys the bacteria. So you have to be really researching this as you as you go. But you can certainly go to the store. And I know these things are more expensive, too. So that's another uh, thing that's that's really on my mind when we're looking at underserved populations and people that are not resourced. They're living in, you know, food scarcity areas where they're in a city. It's urban. They don't have a grocery store in their neighborhood. And then when you go to the store and you buy a pint of raspberries or blueberries that are really good for you, you could buy five for one macaroni and cheese for that same price. And so people right. that are on a low income budget are always concerned about this, but I would say look for roadside stands, go to farms and pick your own if you can. Find a way to just eat these type of probiotic foods that are going to improve your health. It's one way that you can actually control 
your mood, that um, is a very natural way, and it's very helpful. All right, we're going to taste and see. We're going to taste and see. Linda, as always, thank you so much. That's Dr. Linda Mental. Um, right now on her blog, What Does Your Gut Have to Do with Depression? That's at drlindamental.com. Also, obviously, check out her show, The Dr. Linda Mental Show, here on the Faith Radio Network. Linda, as always, thank you so much. Thanks. Great talking to you again. And welcome, Missouri and other parts yeah. of Minnesota. Glad to have welcome. you the show me state. Yep. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, we're going to take a break for Breakpoint with John Stone Street. How easy is it to distract you? Are you easily distracted? Are you a distracted driver? Yeah. Do you know that distraction is one of the en- enemy's tactics? Um that the enemy uses, like, right, to spiritually attack us all day long. I mean, you're aware of that. Like, distraction is one of them. Uh, Doubt, discouragement, distortion, division, distraction. Those are the five biggies that the the enemy uses in terms of ongoing active warfare against believers. So distraction, um, you know, if you just think about how easily distracted we are today because of our phones or whatever else— it's important for us to recognize all of the distractions in the world and and that that is enemy territory you know where he he gets to, he gets to reign and rule and so what does it look like for us to give god our full attention in a distracted world how do we do that how do we give god our full attention in a distracted world the book is, But Then She Remembered. Katie Westenberg is the author, and my conversation with Katie is up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Really fun to have Katie Westenberg joining us today, follower of Christ, wife, mom of four, homeschooler, all kinds of great stuff. Um, She is a well-known author to many. She's joining us today with her brand new book, But Then She Remembered. Katie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you for having me here, Carmen. All right. So who is she and what has she forgotten? (laughs) She is all of us. And what she has forgotten is topical for many of us, just the day-to-day things. But really what this book drives at is the deeper heart issues. What have we forgotten that leads us astray in the day-to-day? Yeah, there's no question that we could, it doesn't matter who you are, you could absolutely make a list of the surface level distractions and you could say, oh, I need to pare those down. I need to get those under control. Um, But you are really dealing with the soul level distraction or the distraction of the heart. Can you differentiate those two things for us? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a band-aid solution that we like to apply because we notice that our mind is here and there and maybe we scroll too much and maybe we can't focus. Maybe we are the person who reads the first three chapters of every book and then gets distracted by another one. But um, the question I'm really getting at in the book is what is behind that? What what happens in those consequences to our surface levels distractions? And mm. we try to resolve those issues. But what are the consequences of a distracted heart? What are the consequences of a life of a heart that doesn't remember who God is and how he loves and how does that affect our future? So I, I'm one of those people that like I want to be I want to be Mary and Martha. Um, and so. 
I still got to get the list of things done. I still got to get the people fed. And yet I want to sit at the feet of Jesus. So Mm -hmm. I feel like one of the things you're helping us do is live into the fullness of the demands of our life. I mean, you're a very busy mom. Um, You got a lot going on. Um, I I remember reading um, the, you know, there's like, okay, there's, there's four kids, but there's five personalities and everybody's a different age and stage and has a different learning level. And like, right, there's a lot to manage. You still have to do it all. And yet we want to do so in a way that is focused and not distracted. So um, that's that feels like the fullness you're trying to invite us into. Yeah, that's exactly right. I love your pairing of we want to be both maybe because we we can when we're relying on God and we, we kind of have this this cliff we want to jump over to the either or, or maybe I could just do life without technology at all. Maybe I could just throw my phone mm. out the window. But then at that same time, we're negating the benefits. Like there are really good tools that we have been able to use if we use them properly. I wouldn't be communicating with you if it weren't for technology. So mm-hmm. I think we to handle this conversation rightly, we have to acknowledge, yes, there are benefits here. And it's probably not the technology, but more where my heart is oriented as I use it that's causing the issue. This uh, conversation about it feels more intense now. It feels more like it feels like I have more to do, even though technically I have less to do than prior generations because I have so much more technology available to me. But all of that technology brings with it this sense that there's more to do. Can you can you talk with a little bit about that? There's a feelings thing going on here as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an important one, because if these all this technology is making us more productive, why aren't we ultimately more protective? Right. Why? Mm, why is there mm. this heavy weight that we take with it? So it's challenging in different ways. And that's why it's really interesting to look back at scripture and think, has distraction always been an issue? Like, did those Israelites get distracted in the desert? What what is the heart issue? Even though I can't look back and say, how did they handle cell phones and how did they handle Netflix? But can I say how they handled their heart there? And how did how does the gospel respond to that? How did Christ respond to people who were distracted? And can that give me guidance on how to manage this here? Mm. That leads me to a conversation that you have in the book, differentiating interruption from distraction. Um, Jesus never treated a human being like an interruption, and he certainly wasn't distracted from his mission at any point. But he does stop and pay attention to things along the way or people along the way that we might regard as, oh, my goodness, I have to get around or past them. Yeah, that's what I noticed in my own life, Carmen, is that I'm annoyed and irritated by mm-hmm. my interruptions because I have this plan. I want to do these things. And this person all of a sudden calls me and you know unloads problems on me or I have a child in front of me that's needy and I don't really have this in my calendar for today. But distractions, I'm happy to give myself to, you know, I I can scroll for 15 minutes and don't even realize that I've wasted that time. But when someone infringes on me, those interruptions, which I might call distractions, are actually the real work that God has placed right in front of me right now. So differentiating between those two is important. Yes, Jesus was never distracted, but he handled those interruptions well and then went about his way. He dealt with the person in front of him and then went about on his mission. So they didn't sideline him from his mission like our distractions often do. All right, distraction is uh, is not new. Um, we are facing it in in new ways uh, in these modern times, and fortunately, we have a wonderful companion for the journey. Um, Katie Westerberg is going to continue in our conversation about her book. But then she remembered how to give God your full attention in a distracted world. 
You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation now with Katie Westenberg. She is the author of I Choose Brave, joining us today to talk about her new book, But Then She Remembered, How to Give God Your Full Attention in a Distracted World. Katie, one of the things you talk about is the cost of uh, living distracted. This is a cost of living conversation. Can you read us in on that? Yeah, there's there's physical costs that we notice just when we're not able to complete and accomplish things. Um, but then again, what we're always really concerned about is, is the tearing away of our heart. What's getting behind this? And so that's why I like to ask the question, what is behind my distractions? What is behind my um my doom scrolling or my continuous looking at social media feeds can i ask the question what's going in my on in my heart that's drawing me towards this um the key that you give us uh throughout the book um is this remembering um and and you actually draw this to a conclusion by talking about training to become rememberers can you talk about remembering maybe um, the the fact, I mean, I love the place where you talked about we we're made to remember. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was just an interesting concept that I really started to notice in scripture. That's what drew all of my attention to this from the start, kind of noticing mm. that while I was feeling the pull of distraction in my own life. But God has made us for this. We were created and designed. Even when we get into the sciencey portion of this, we can see how those neurons in our brain, how those synapses connect, like we are designed and created to remember. But scripture tells us repeatedly what happens when God's people forget. So when we look at that from a, um, a perspective of God's design, not only are we called to it, we are made for it. So it's really fun to dive into that and, and realize that remembering isn't, isn't necessarily the opposite from forgetting. It's a call to action. It's recalling to mind that changes our path. And that's really what what we get the, at the heart of in this book. And it's it's formative and it's transformative. Um, I mean, we we actually do become um, something different. People who are different as we spend time in the exercise of remembering because because of what and who we are remembering. So, can you talk about that? We're going to hold on. We're going to remember some things, but it, it's not like we're going to remember everything. There's some specific things and a specific who that you're inviting us to remember. Yeah, that's right. Because in those moments, like when when tension comes in or when uh, world news changes things and we feel mm. all that anxiety and all that nervousness and maybe all that temptation in these modern days to just scroll through, I got to find out more information, what's going on with that shooting, what's going on with that um, mm. uh, world crisis, whatever that we have that draw to find out what's going on. And the question becomes like, what do I need to remember here? Or we get that diagnosis and real fear comes in like this is really scary. I'm not going to put on a smiley face and pretend that this is just amazing. But what am I believing to be true about God here? What do I know about him from the past that I need to recall to mind? Because I'm acting as if God doesn't even exist in this situation, like fear is really taking over. But if I know who he is, and I know what he's done in the past, I can recall that to mind and act from that face. So it really does change how we're able to respond in those situations if we're able to remember who he is, what he loves, how he loves and what he has done. All right, Katie, I'm sure that you you've never struggled with this. Um, <clears throat> but some of us 
maybe struggle with, I'll call it time management. It's not really time management. It's about prioritization. I, you know, what do you say to the person who says, you know, I don't really have time uh, to read scripture. It's obviously not a habit for them. So I want to talk a little bit about habit formation. But then when you would actually look at the time they're spending, let's say, scrolling social media, they clearly have time for that. So can you talk a little bit about what has a hold on us and the need to actually develop a habit um, of spending time with God and uh, and drawing unto him? Yeah, yeah. And that's where I love to ask that question. What What is behind my scrolling? What, what am I really mm. here for? You know, am I, am I lonely? Am I seeking to be entertained? I think we use it for different times in different places. And I, I'm obviously not speaking from a place of perfection at all that I've mastered this. I've, I'm speaking from a place of learning to walk through it with the Lord. And I'm so thankful he's not up there with a checklist being like, you know, Katie's got too many minutes on today, or, you know, how many minutes does she have? He's not tracking minutes like we like to, or like our screens like to sometimes he's seeking a heart that's following him. And so when we come before him and we say, God, I, I want to follow you. I want to get better at this. I want my heart to be oriented and my mm. minutes and my days not to be wasted toward you. That is a prayer he loves to answer. He loves to meet his people where they are like a loving father. So we can ask that we can ask the Holy Spirit, as it says in John 14, to be our reminder, to help teach us how to respond in these ways. And then we can respond in obedience to that conviction. Um, I love that each one of these chapters ends with a Bible study. And it's, I mean, then you've left us space to actually fill in the blanks. You actually teach us how you study um, by leaving us places where we can write answers to questions. And that's such a gift. So thank you for the um, the invitation to, you know, to write in the book and to reflect on passages of Scripture right along with you. Um, this isn't, you know, necessarily the subject of this particular book, but I know it's a heart passion for you. Like, what do you love about the Word of God? I love that it's both timeless and timely. Because there's been times in my life where I, you know, I, I was raised in church and raised reading scripture. And sometimes that familiarity can easily breed contempt, you know, like, mm. oh, I've, I've read Genesis before. What more could there be for me there? But if we believe that the word of God is living and active, things can just jump off the page in certain seasons that I've never even read before. Maybe because, you know, the, obviously the word of God has not changed, but my life has and my circumstances have and the circumstances of our world have changed. So not only is it timeless? It's timely. His word can meet us right where we're at, fresh and new in different seasons. So I love that about God's word. All right. Now, this is not a trick question, but I'm going to give you four numbers and then you're going to tell us what they mean. Okay. It's not a trick. It's not a trick. 18, <laughs> 15, 13, and 10. 18, 15, 13, and 10. What do they mean? Am I wrong? Are these the ages of your people? <laughs> well, I tricked you because I had one have a birthday this week. So there's an oh, 11, not a 10. Oh, oh man. <laughs> you were really close. I was so close. All yes. right. Yeah. So I just think that it, it helps um, uh, everybody who's listening to gain some perspective on your life. It's not, it's not like you're sitting around with an endless amount of time. Um, like there are people um, populating your world and you're homeschooling them and there's a lot going on. Um, and it's so when you think about distraction, there are many options, but you're also training these people to become rememberers. And so when you think about modeling this for your kids, that was just one quick conversation that I wanted to have. Like, as I'm modeling this for my children or my grandchildren now, um, what does it mean to 
train help train them to become rememberers? Yeah, it's the sweetest iron sharpening iron because we're learning to live this out, right? God, we're going, God is sanctifying mm-hmm. us. And as we do that, we're passing that on. If we talk about it, if we show how it works and we lead them in the way, this is why scripture talks about that in De- Deuteronomy. God was so faithful to set up plans. And then he said, you're going to teach this to your children and you're going to pass this on to the next generation. This is really how it works. And if I go back to the, the sciency part of this, that's one, one way our brain forms memory is not only to get information information out, but it's also the recall. When we're retelling it, it's also solidifying in our memory. So when I pass on to my children what God has done, if I tell the stories of his faithfulness, it's passing it on to them in their brains and it's solidifying it in my heart and mind as well. So a lot of times it's just while you're walking the way, while you're doing the things in your home, can I show them and teach them how God is being glorified? When I'm scared, can I show them how I recall who God is or what he's done in the past? It's just living life with them right in front of them and not being afraid to have the average conversations. It's so good. Um, so friends, when you get the book, turn to pages 81 and 82 and just look at those two charts. When you when you think about all the times we've talked about identity, we've talked about conversations related to identity, belonging, and purpose. There's two identity charts on those two pages that are pretty stunning. But it's radio, so I can't really uh, I can't really tell you that on the air. You got to get you got to get the book and look at those uh, couple of pages in the middle of it. Katie, what a delight! Um, so wonderful to have you with us. You guys can connect directly with Katie Westenberg at her website, katiewestenberg.com. She's also on you know all the socials. Um, Katie, thank you so much for joining us. A real delight. Thank you, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. The book is But Then She Remembered How to Give God Your Full Attention in a Distracted World. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Prayers arising this morning. Uh, our friend Bob, who listens every single day here alongside you to Mornings with Carmen, uh, he has got uh, a surgery coming up tomorrow. Um, and so we want to be praying for him. I think it's like a total hip replacement. So let's be praying for Bob tomorrow that God would uh, hold him tenderly, hold Bob's sweet wife uh, tenderly as she sits and waits. You know how hard that is. So let's be praying for the Castros, um, be praying for the surgeon who will be tending and everybody else who will be a part of that process. Um, I know that, uh, I know the Castros want to be used by God, even in the midst of um, times when they are in need of others serving them. So just lift all of that up. I've got another uh, friend named Jeremy who is having a surgery tomorrow. So ask a prayer for him. Oh no, I think his surgery is today. Today's Monday, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So uh, prayers today for Jeremy and the sur- surgery that he is he's having. Maybe you have a specific prayer concern we could lift up as well. Remember, you can always text us 877-933-2484. I say us because the text line um, is open during this show, and that's when Paul Perot and I are watching the text line. But this text line is open all the time. And so when Susie Larson is live on air, uh, she and her producer are paying attention in real time to what's going on. And then uh, when when Bill Arnold is live on the air, uh, he's doing the same. But we keep an eye on it, um, you know, throughout the day. So there's always somebody on the Faith Radio 
team, um, you know, checking in on what's being posted. So you may not hear back from us immediately if we're not live on air, but um, but it's a great place to let us hear from you. So 877-933-2484. You can also share your prayers with us at MyFaithRadio.com. There's a place to do that. Oh, all right. So um, I loved the conversation with Katie, right, about remembering and becoming rememberers. So if I said, hey, remember when, it would be because we had a shared experience. So remember when, I don't know, it wouldn't be, you know, Paul didn't do his job because Paul's always doing his job. So I don't know together if we had a remember when. It would be, it would have to be a person. It would have to be a conversation or an event that we shared. That's how memories are made. So today, as you are walking your faith out into the world that God so loves and doing so in ways that honor Jesus, you know, consider that whoever you're walking with, whoever you are with in the world today, memories are being made. Remember when, remember where, remember what, remember who. What are the stories that you are telling that solidify truth in life? Because you are reminding yourself and you are reminding others of the goodness and the grace, the character, the provision, the miracles of God. What are the stories that you're telling? What are the remember wins? Remember when God answered that prayer. Remember when God showed up as light in the darkness. Remember when God provided when we didn't know how we were going to make it. Remember when God healed. Remember when God comforted. Remember when God did what only God can do. Remember when? Put a where and a what and a who to the remember when uh, in order that people can see how God works and who God is. Maybe spend a little time um, jotting down a list today of stories that you could tell that would make God famous. Not, they're, not, they're not stories that glorify you. They're stories that glorify God. They're stories where God is the main character, where God's presence and power and action transformed reality. I mean, yes, there are legit miracle stories, but there's a lot of stories that we might not think of as miracles where God did what God does because of who God is. So if you got one of those, if you got a story of something that God did because of who he is. He was operating out of his own character. He couldn't help himself, right? Remember when? Remember when God comforted you? Remember when God cared for you? Remember when God provided for you? What were the circumstances? Where, where did that take place? Who, who else was involved? Why don't you um, do a little remember when today and then Make a rememberer of someone else by sharing the story. What a joy to be with you each and every day uh, here on Mornings with Carmen. Um, Remember that you are God's favorite. Mm -hmm. We can say that about every single individual because it is true. It is true. Hey, join us in reading the Bible together. Sign up for our second Timothy study today at MyFaithRadio.com and meet me right back here tomorrow on Mornings with Carmen. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. 
If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.